Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Number one, he will speak to the very core of our being. And number two, he will speak when it's quiet and our hearts are quiet. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now let's jump into today's Core Truth in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Hey, we're picking up again in the study. This is part two. Yes, the word of God is what triggers it all. But just like today, many people are more interested by what they read on Twitter than what's written in the word of God. And that's why God's not speaking to many people today. There's too much noise out there. The news and this and that and all the social medias. And I spend, you know, six hours on Facebook and no time in the word. Well, I wonder why God's not speaking to you. But in our text here today, we find that Samuel's life was different from all the others. We're not sure of his age because we're not told of his age at this time, though most believe he was a young teenager at this point. You know, maybe he was, you know, between 14 and 16 or something. And let me just tell you, I was a youth pastor uh, for 15 years. And during that time, I watched God use young people like you could not imagine. I had high schoolers that were leading hundreds of people to Christ. Not, not, oh, this teenager led three people to Christ. No, I had some teenagers that led into the hundreds people of, you know, people to Christ. I would take teenagers all over the United States, all over the world. I, I, I would take 50 and 60 kids. I mean, we, I took 60 or 70 kids to Hawaii one time. We were suffering for the Lord, of course, you know, but, uh, but we were over there at Honolulu doing a harvest crusade over there at the Aloha Bowl. And, and I mean, we led like, you know, 200 people to Christ there, or, you know, just people from all over the United States and the world that, you know, go to Hawaii on vacation. And, and there they meet these rabid teenagers that are out there sharing Christ. I had this one little girl, Candace, and I remember she just, she took a table. It was like leaned up against the building. She took the table, sat down there. Someone had a, a fold-up chair and a fold-up table. So she took the table, unfolded it, and the chair, and she sat down, put a bunch of Harvest Crusade tracks, and was just preaching to people as they came by. And just I mean, It was just crazy. I mean, just seeing all the crazy things that God did with these teenagers. So, you know, why did God grab so many young people in the Bible? Why did he grab Samuel when he was just a teenager? Why did he grab Jeremiah when he was a teenager? Because he had ears to hear and they'd be willing to go and do what they would happen to do. It was amazing how, uh, you know, you can speak to adults and say, you should go out and share Christ. And they're like, yes, God bless you. Yes, we should. And then nothing happens. And then you're in a high school minister like, listen, you need to go out and just bring someone next week to Bible study from your high school. And then next week, the place would be packed and 40 people would give their life to Christ. And it's just like, they listen, you know, just a high schooler is like, oh, okay, I guess that's what we're supposed to do. And then they would just do it. And so God speaks to young people because they have ears to hear. Let's read 1 Samuel 3, 1. He says, 
He says, now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, the priest, and the word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. And it happened at the time as Eli was lying down in his place. So they're going to bed now. Now his eyesight had been begun to grow dim and he could, you know, uh, not see well. And the lamp of God was not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Okay, what now? He's lying down in the temple of the Lord where the Ark of the Covenant was? Oh my goodness. Like, how cool is that? Yeah, go sleep over there. Where? Yeah, next to the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, all right. Well, anyway, verse four, uh, that the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am. Then he ran into Eli and said, here I am for you called me. And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go lie down again. Go back to bed, kid. So he went and laid down in verse six, and the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose up and he went into Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli answered, I did not call you my son. Go lay down again. Stop bothering me. I'm trying to get some sleep here. What's wrong with you? Wow. Okay. So that's, that's where he was at that moment. So here we find Samuel sleeping next to the Ark of the Covenant. You know, and of course, the Ark of the Covenant represented what? The presence of God. Inside of the Ark of the Covenant was what? It was like a jar of manna. It was the rod of Aaron, the Moses rod, you know, and there was a copy of the Ten Commandments in it. You know, those three things, that, you know, the, the copy of the Ten Commandments represented the law of God. You know, the, the rod of Aaron, you know, the rod of Moses that they, you know, touched the Red Sea or the Nile River with and it turned to blood in the Red Sea and it split in half. It's like uh, that represented the power of God. And of course, the jar of manna represented the provision of God. But again, whenever the Ark of the Covenant would come in, it was the presence of God. So Samuel was getting ready to go to sleep like every other day. And that's when it happened. He wasn't expecting it. And after faithfully serving the Lord daily for some, who knows, 12 to 14 years, Samuel hears this voice. So, of course, he thought it was Eli calling him because he just hears this. You know, you can imagine his dead sight and all of a sudden, you know, Samuel. So he runs into Eli, you know, and what a great sign of obedience, is that not? You know, here's the Eli said, priest, I'm here to serve you, so how can I serve you? And Eli, you know, so he runs in there, and it wasn't Eli that was calling for Samuel. Yet there was no one else around. Then it happened again. Samuel runs into Eli. Yet he responded the same way. I didn't call you. Notice how the Lord called in the quietness of the nights. See, we like the, the big show. You know, we want the big voice from heaven. You know, we want the, you know, yes, I am God, and I'm calling you. And, you know, we want something big, majestic, and all of this. And you'll find that many times God speaks in that, again, still small voice. It's really quiet, and you have to be listening for it. But when you listen for it, that's when you hear it. Which brings up here what happens next here. Let's read what happens next in verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord, uh, you know, yet been revealed to him. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. And he arose and he went into Eli again. Here I am. You called me. Then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, 
And it shall be, if he calls you, then you shall say, speak, Lord, for thy servant is listening. So Samuel went and he laid down in his place. And you, I could just see him laying down. <laughs> you know, it says in verse 10, then the Lord came and stood. Wait, the Lord came and stood? Wow. Next to the Ark of the Covenant? Hey, how'd you like to have a snapshot of that? Yeah, where's your iPhone when you need it? You know, it's like the Lord came and stood and called as other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for thy servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, so you, you get this, you know, it's dark. The Lord is standing there next to him. And I can see Samuel just laying on the, laying, laying down. He doesn't move. Lord, speak, your servant's listening. So he doesn't even get up or anything. And behold, the Lord said, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day, I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity, the sin, which he knew about because his sons brought a curse on themselves and he did not rebuke them. And therefore, I have sworn to the house of Eli that the sin of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or by offering forever. Wow. So like, I spoke to Eli about his wretched two sons who are filled with sin in my house. And I told him to put a stop to those boys and he didn't listen to me. And I would imagine the Lord probably spoke to him many times about that. So that'll wake you up. You get a message like that. And that's exactly what happened to Samuel, man. He woke up to the voice of the Lord. And for us Christians, there is no better way of responding to the Lord than the way young Samuel responded in verse 10. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Are we listening? Yes, when we open the pages of our Bible, when we come to the house of the Lord here, whether it's on a midweek study or, you know, college and career study or, you know, Sunday morning study, when you come to a women's study, when you come with the word is being taught, are you coming in with the attitude of, Lord, speak to me, for your servant is listening. See, we need to be sensitive to the still small voice of the Lord because most of the time when God speaks, again, number one, he will speak to the very core of our being and number two, he will speak when it's quiet and our hearts are quiet and we're listening with no distractions. I've taken a lot of heat from people because we don't like small children to be in the sanctuary. You're like, what's wrong with you people? We're coming to church as a family. What's wrong with you? It's like, well, listen, We love your children. Do you know how much money we invest in our children's ministry? We invest a lot of money in the children's ministry because we want your children to grow in a relationship with God. This is a blessing. And when we, when we don't want the little kids in here, why? Because we want to minister to them on their level. They come in and listen to me, the old guy. They're like, man, this church is boring. I'm boring to a three-year-old. Unless, of course, it's one of my grandkids and we're on the ground and I'm tossing them and turning them, you know, and all this. And I do the little Gucci, Gucci, goo. Okay, that's different. But uh, coming in to listen on a, on a message, it's boring to a little child. But when they're in there and they're doing artwork and they're coloring and they're learning Jesus on their level, then it's fun. 
They like coming to church. It's a whole different thing. So it's not that we hate any children, but two things happen when we let little children come in the sanctuary. This is what happens. Number one, they hate it. They don't want to be there. And they're fidgety. They're moving around. They're talking. They're moving. And they're distracting everyone else around them. So it's like, why don't we just go to the children's ministry, let them be minister, let them have fun, which comes with goldfish, okay? That's, you know, and little chips and goodies, and they get all kinds of stuff. And, okay, that's great. They're ministered to on their level, and there's no distractions in here, see? See, that's why we want to have no distractions. You know, when people come in here and, you know, during the worship, we've had, we've had everything here. This is L.A. I mean, I mean, we've had it all, okay? And we've had people that want to dance. Well, I want to do holy dancing. And, you know, they want to stand in the front here and, and you know, holy dance. And I'm just like... You know, and, and what's everyone doing? Everyone's like, they're all looking at the holy dancers and they're thinking like, these people are crazy. That's a crazy lady. Okay. And, uh, you know, or they, you know, the tambourine. It's like, it is tambourine and they want to run up down the aisle and tambourine. It's like, and they're like, you're quenching the spirit. No, no, you're quenching all of us. Okay. And so, so we just, you know, we're not trying to be prudes here. We're just trying to like, look, when the word of God is being taught, I don't want people running off with tongues. I don't want someone to stand up. Okay, no, because this is a time of teaching. That's a distraction, okay? And so we want to limit distractions so that you can hear from the Spirit of God. Yes, whether it's something we want to hear or not, we should always have ears to hear. Because again, like I've said many times, the Word of God is not always what you want to hear, but it's always what you need to hear. Maybe that's why God gave us two ears and only one mouth. But know this, the word listening in the Hebrew means to attentively and diligently listen with obedience. It's a listening that's followed by obeying what is heard. It's how you approach Bible reading. You have to Read to do. Don't be just a hearer of the word, James 1 says, but be a doer of the word also. But how do you approach Bible reading? Or when you come to church, is that how you listen? You know, do you try to listen to the moving of the Holy Spirit? Are you ready to be used of God anywhere and any time? Yes, Samuel had ears to hear, while some just have ears. That's it. Samuel listened when God spoke while many today have become like the people in Ezekiel's day. And again, we're told in Ezekiel 12, 2, it says, Son of man, you live in the midst of a rebellious house who have eyes to see, but do not see. They have ears to hear, but they do not hear, for they are a rebellious house. Could that not be said about us here today? Children, my children, my sons and daughters, God could say to you, you live in the midst of a rebellious people who have eyes to see, but they do not see. They have ears to hear, but they do not hear the things of God. See, that's why we need to speak the voice of reason and biblical truth to people because they're not going to hear from anybody else. They're not hearing it from anybody else. Yes, all the way through the Bible, God is calling out to those of us who will listen and for those of us who will do what we're told. Yes, many have disregard for the truth. That's found in the word of God. We see that in our culture big time as they embrace whatever tickles their own desires. Listen to what God said it would be like in the last days. 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For the time will come when they will not, the people will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and they will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to 
false truths, myths, as it says. Yes, there's sin in the church today because people don't listen to the word of God taught. There's sin in the church today because many pulpits don't even preach the truth. That's how we have birth. We have given birth here in the last 10 years to progressive Christianity, where progressive Christianity says, well, you got to change with the times. I mean, it's like, you know, the, the, the people today, we're not like the people 2,000 years ago. I mean, so we have to be culturally uh, sensitive to the culture that we have today. So, you know, lifestyles, we need to accept them because Jesus is love and he would just love all of us. See, it's like, no, you're changing the word of God. God's word never changes. So progressive Christianity is not Christianity that's progressive to our time. Progressive Christianity is not Christianity because you cannot change God's word. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So it's like you can't change with the times. God never changes. And he knows what's best for you and for me. Amen to that. But here we have young Samuel, the teenager. And he listened. And when we as Christians listen for God to speak, we will also hear him. For God is looking for such a people that have ears to hear. And if you, it doesn't matter where you're at in life. It doesn't matter if you've never been used by God before. God wants to use you. He's only, he's not looking for all of this ability. He's looking for availability. He's looking for someone that'll just simply say, all right, I'm going in, that's it. But the question is, will you be that person that only hears and doesn't do? And as you know, It's not enough to just hear. We have to do. We have to obey. We must speak when he tells us to speak. We have to be faithful to do the things that he wants us to do. We have to be faithful to the people that are around us to speak the truth to them because we're all living in this dark world here. Again, Ezekiel 2, 7 says, but you shall speak my words. Who's you? You is me and you, the true believer. He says, but you shall speak my words to them. Who's them? It's the people that don't know him, that don't know God. But you shall speak my words to them, whether they listen or not. Listen, whether they listen or not, it's not, it's not, it's not a prerequisite. You can't judge how you're doing as a Christian by whether someone's listening or not. You're to speak the truth. That's what your calling is. That's what my calling is. And there's so many times I get shut down and people don't want to listen and whatever. It's like, but I speak the truth because they need to hear it. They need to hear the truth, even if they don't respond to it. Because why? They're rebellious. Are we not living in a rebellious generation right now? I mean, it's like, so don't think that it's always going to be like rolling out a red carpet. Yes, I'm God's man of the hour. I'm the woman of the hour. And it's like, I'm here to tell you the truth. And people are like, oh yeah, well go hang it in your ear. You know, it's like, they don't, some people don't care, but God still wants them to know that he loves him. He wants every person. And another thing too, and this has happened multiple times with me, is I'll have someone royally blow me off. I mean, like royally. I mean, totally ditch me in the weeds and everything. And then three months later, a year later, I see that person there coming to know Christ as their Savior. You know, because you're planting seeds and they might reject them to your face, but then they go home because what the Bible say? The word of God goes out and doesn't come back void. And you could tell someone, well, you know, you can believe whatever you want to believe, but the Bible says that it's appointed for you to die one day and you're going to stand before God. And it's like, yeah, I don't believe that, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then they go to bed that night, you're going to die one day, you're going to stand before me. And people know that. 
people know that. Why do you think people try to do so many good deeds and everything? Because, you know, they're trying to make up for bad things. And they think, well, if I'm just good, I'll, I'll go to heaven. It's like, no, it's not about being good. God doesn't grade on the curve. We don't, well, the, heaven is not going to be full of good people that did good deeds. Heaven is going to be full of forgiven sinners is what heaven's going to be full of. Okay. And that's what we're told here. But again, just like, you know, we looked at Samuel, he had a listening heart and it was attentive to the God's voice. But again, he also obeyed God's voice and what he said to do. And now for our final point, speaking truth. So remember, God had told Samuel in verse 12 and 13 that he was going to judge Eli the priest. He's going to judge his household. And that was already spoken to Eli back in chapter 2, verse 34. When a servant of God told Eli, both of your boys are going to die on the same day. The same day. And now God confirmed this to Samuel, that he was going to judge Eli's house. Why again? Because at the end of verse 13, Eli did not rebuke his sons. He went to his sons and said, hey, I heard the things that you're doing, and it's not good. You shouldn't do them. How about Eli going up to his two sons that were priests? Hey, boys, I got something to say to you. You're fired. Pack your bags. Get out of the temple of God. Get out of his house for what you've done. You need to fall on your face and repent that God doesn't just strike you dead before you even get your bags packed. But he didn't do that. You know, that's what's wrong with some churches with nepotism. You know, they have people that don't deserve to be in the ministry. And it's like, you know, my son's a pastor here and, you know, he didn't want to be a pastor. And, and it's like, and, you know, he started working for the church and he had no desire to be a pastor. Then all of a sudden, you know, we needed a youth pastor. He goes, you know, dad, I, I just, I feel like I, I want to really take those kids. I, I just want to pour into them. I go, yeah, but you don't want to be a pastor. He goes, well, no, I don't, but I want these kids. You know, I'm like, all right, well, we just threw them in there and say, well, let's see how it goes for a while. And, and all of a sudden, after teaching a high school ministry for like a year and a half, the board, our board of directors, like, he needs to be a pastor. He's doing the work of a pastor. And he finally, after everyone was calling him Pastor Brenton, he finally got like, well, okay, I guess so. You know, and, uh, but he was reluctant because he didn't want to step into a place that he wasn't called. So God had to really show him that, no, this was his calling. And, uh, you know, and he, he loves those kids. And so what a blessing that is, you know. But why, again, was God so apt on killing both of Eli's sons who were priests? Because they allowed perversion into the house of God. They were having sex with the women that came to help serve in the ministry. And they were doing it in the house of God. It's like, oh my goodness, they were, you know, they were degrading the sacrifice. They were taking meat that was to be sacrificed to the Lord and they were taking it themselves. And they were, you know, eating the, the filet mignons of the sacrifices, you could say, you know, out of order and how God had it for, because the priests were able to eat the sacrifice, but it was after the sacrifice, but they would take the meat before it was sacrificed. Oh, it was just, they were doing everything wrong. No regard to God whatsoever. First Samuel 3.15 says this. It says, then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And he said, what is the word that he spoke to you, that God spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the words that he spoke to you. So, I mean, obviously Eli knows that God's speaking to Samuel. 
Okay, so now he wants to know why. Well, God already told him in the chapter before, I'm going to roast you and your kids because of what you've allowed. So I know Eli's thinking that God's telling them he's going to roast my boys. It's like, because he's already, he's already been told that. So verse 18 says, so Samuel told him everything and he hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what he seems good for him. And thus Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fail. Wow. So Samuel comes to serve Eli when he's like three, four years old. He's probably, you know, 16 now or something, all these years. So Eli was pretty much like a dad to him. And now he's got to tell Eli, the priest, well, Eli, you want to know everything? Yeah, God's going to roast you, okay? God's going to kill your boys. I mean, it's like, oh my goodness. I mean, that's a, that's a tough thing to have to say. But again, we as believers are called to speak the truth in love, okay? in love. That's all the time we have for our message. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Court Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Court Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Court Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at courtchurchla.org. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you.